tattlings of a retired politician this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by john brandon tattlings of a retired politician by forrest Crissy. chapter 15 the trail of the serpent broken straw ranch 1900 dear ned i'm a little surprised that you should hark back to one of my old letters and confess that you have kept a sore feeling simmering away under your wishbone all these weeks i thought you knew me better than that ned and so you resent my statement that i'd rather have a son of mine caught stealing scab sheep than see him elected to the legislature well perhaps that was putting it strong in fact i'll admit that i did bear down hard on a whole lot of good men when i bunched the entire legislative field in that sort of an omnibus knock only the young reformer in the first intoxication of his own eloquence is entitled to the lofty privilege of lumping humanity into two classes and then taking his place with the sheep while he makes moral faces at the goats as i never traded much in reform stock of the professional sort i'll not begin on this late day to pick up their tricks or preach their sermons i stand corrected for too broad a conclusion and failing to draw the distinction that accepts a respectable number of square and honest lawmakers from the moral bats who somehow manage to sneak in under every statehouse dome and give a bad name to the legislative schools in which such men as jefferson clay and lincoln had their schooling for a bigger field but you can't understand how the word legislature riles me without knowing of one or two experiences that burned themselves into my recollection when i first went down to the assembly with the notion that i was honored by a trusting constituency and was going to work with a bunch of picked men for the best interests of the old state sometimes i wake up in the middle of the night and look back upon one or two of those legislative scenes until my eyes swim and my teeth grit i've never put into cold words the one experience that cut me closest but i guess it's time i did for you can't get my viewpoint on this legislative business without it and there's no use claiming that there was any novelty in what i went through for the same sort of a proceeding had been repeated with variations under the shade of every state house in the land but to the story you were at home that session holding down the sheriff's office but you will remember that the corporations made the great fight that winter to bring down the bars on the franchise question it was war to the hilt and the philippine water cure was a mild and christian method compared with the tactics which the corporations put into play from the time the speaker took his chair and named the committees three schoolboys couldn't have made up to each other quicker than big ed hammer and gentleman joe tolliver and i got together ed was a veteran as sound and square as a marble obelisk joe like myself was in his maiden term 
the minute i caught the sparkle in the tail of joe's eye i knew he was my sort and big ed seemed to feel the same way and besides a mutual friend had told ed you take these two youngsters under your wing give em as good a show as you can and see that they don't get into mischief joe had the winsomeness of a modest and tactful woman with a clear and nimble mind that marked him as a thoroughbred every quality he showed was of a sort to mark him as a gentleman and draw me closer to him it didn't take me long to learn that time isn't the main factor in forming a friendship that you can get nearer to a man in meeting him every day for three months and fighting battles shoulder to shoulder with him than you could in fifteen years of casual contact under commonplace circumstances and that strong attachments like fierce enmities are things of swift growth in the strain and stress of legislative life from the start ed joe and i acted together had adjoining rooms and were as thick as three peas in a pod in fact the boys soon began to call us the three brothers we didn't object to being bunched in that way and accepted the title without protest but the most comfortable and important basis of our three-cornered brotherhood was the fact that we seemed to size up the right and wrong of things in about the same way and it doesn't take a guidepost or a special spiritual adviser to point a man to the right road in lawmaking any more than in plain business of any sort all he has to do is to settle it with himself right at the start that he is going to be absolutely square without any ifs and ands and then stick to this through thick and thin but if he doesn't draw the reins tight at the start and if he allows that he will treat every proposition that comes up individually he can depend upon it that he's likely to do a lot of sidestepping before he's through with the game we talked all this over one night together in ed's room and he laid down the law in this way when a fellow makes it up with himself that he's going to stick to the straight track from one end to the other without asking his conscience for any special orders to sidetrack or lay over he'll pull through all right that's the schedule i've always traveled on boys and i'm mighty glad to find that you're inclined to run on the same orders big ed was the head and front of the opposition to the franchise forces and although we were only cubs joe and i were commonly regarded as his first lieutenants in a way day and night we worked together sifting out the sheep from the goats and building up an organization that would stick together to the last ditch it was harder work than holding a plow on a new hampshire hillside but big ed was heart and soul in the fight and threw his whole being into it every night we got together and counted noses sometimes this was a mighty solemn proceeding because now and then the enemy snatched a man from our forces but occasionally there was a season of rejoicing in our camp when we were able to snatch a brand from the burning by convincing a weak-kneed fence straddler that he couldn't afford to trifle with temptation or do anything short of enlisting with the boodle fighters 
all through these ups and downs ed joe and i stood together like the three legs of a tripod without a shadow of difference coming between us the first of the two big bodle bills was close up to a third reading as i entered the house one morning to begin the day's struggle with more courage than i had been able to scrape up since the long battle began joe's seat was almost across the aisle from my own and as i turned to speak to him i saw a sight that made my eyes start and my flesh creep there was joe but of all the draggled besotted and filthy specimens of drunken humanity that i ever beheld he was the worst i felt as if i had been hit between the eyes with a sledge for a few minutes i couldn't have told to save me the name of any man sitting five feet in front of us just as i began to recover my senses a little from the shock big ed came in took one look at the little brother as we sometimes called joe and winced as if he had been stabbed of course we had him taken out and carried to his room but from that minute he slunk away from us whenever he could get a chance our little brotherhood was broken and he avoided us consistently as he had formerly stood by us although ed and i put in as much time trying to get joe sobered up as we did in carrying him on the fight against the corporation bills in the house he did not see a single rational hour it was as idle to attempt to reason with joe in his transformed and besotted state as to argue with a crazy indian he was seldom in his seat in the house and spent most of his time in the black lodge the centre of the spider web which the agents of the franchise interests threw out in every direction to catch their victim one day while joe was over there at the black lodge in the keeping of the man who had been told off in the start to run joe down and as the leader of the gang put it break his back a young woman with big sad eyes called to see me i knew who she was the minute her card was sent up for joe had told me all about her and intimated that they expected to be married shortly after the session was over in a low but shaking voice she told me how five years before joe had suddenly put an end to a career of dissipation settled down to hard work and after a year of steady pulling in the harness had proposed to her not a hitch in their happiness had occurred until the morning when i found joe transformed into a sot in answer to a few questions she confirmed my suspicion that the boodle hounds had hunted back along joe's trail until they found his besetting weakness and had then deliberately started out to land him with drink well after that every time i came back to the city the white face of that young woman was waiting for me behind the iron fence in the big passenger station but there was little hope to give her as she lifted her pitifully appealing eyes to me and put the question is the little brother any better however the girl's grit never failed her and she hung on like grim death the night before the first franchise bill was to be put to final vote i came across joe sitting sullenly in a lonesome corner of the hotel corridor 
his gaze fixed gloomily on a figure in the mosaic flooring there was just a suggestion of his old self in his eyes as he glanced up at me and silently took the hand which i held out to him for a few minutes we sat in silence then i drew my chair closer to him and said joe have i ever tried to control you in anything down here no he answered slowly have i always left everything to your own manhood yes well i just want to ask you if you're going to stand square for the right thing on roll call tomorrow his hands gripped the arms of his chair his bleared face grew ashen and he drew his breath in with a gasp for some minutes he stared at the floor then in a voice that a man uses in crying out to the man within himself he said let me go let me go i've got to tell him but i'll do it i'll come back you stay right here he jumped to his feet and made a dash to the door where a cab was waiting for him of course i knew that he was bound for the black lodge and i knew if he ever pulled himself loose from the spiders down there it would be nothing short of a miracle but in less than a half hour he was back again with something like a flicker of his old smile on his face as he said i did it i told him i'm with you brother and he was as good as his word when the vote came he was with us and we knocked out the boodle bill that act however was the last convulsion of his expiring manhood from that time he was hopelessly with the enemy body and soul and voted with them on the second franchise bill against which big ed led the forces of decency there isn't much to tell beyond this joe dropped down and down until he couldn't get to his seat in the house that ended his usefulness to the boodle gang and they kicked him out as they would a sick dog ed the girl and i nursed him until he could be taken home a week or two finished him and then we all went down to put him away at that funeral as i looked from his broken old mother and his wasted sweetheart to a little group of members who had helped to break his back and throw him off the water wagon the devious ways of modern lawmaking looked pesky mean and hateful to me i can tell you and i've seen enough of the same sort of wrecks since to prove that joe's experience wasn't an exception to the rule there are hundreds of other cases like this and the memory of those that have come across my own path always stirs up my bile until i find myself saying hard things as i did in that old letter about legislators in general but once for all let me say that there are hundreds of good men making state laws in this country and that i take my hat off to every one of them who is on the square and doesn't sidestep from the straight and narrow path yours ever william bradley
End of chapter 15. Recording by John Brandon.